I'm going to argue with Jason that there's no such thing as a double switcheroo. Eh, Frank's a loser. Lodero. So I officially hate like 94% of Atlanta fans. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. I lost to the freaking cat team. Just a whisker. A whisker of a loss. Was that a rational RSL take from Jason? <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm probably the most rational RSL fan. You just got lawyered by a non-lawyer, bro. Hello, fantasy managers, and welcome to the round 26 preview episode of the MLS Fantasy Insider. This episode is brought to you by Be Messy, a soccer advice book by Bob Bradley. Uh, oh, no, no, no. Um, actually, brought to you by MLSFantasyBoss.com and the amazing subreddit community of r slash fantasy MLS. I'm your host, Reed Connolly from MLSFantasyBoss.com, and tonight I'm joined by my usual partners in fantasy, Michael Denton and Blaine Riffle. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm good. Oh, I'm doing well. Great, great sports weekend. Fantastic for you, indeed. Uh, I'd also like to, as always, uh, at least for the past five episodes, uh, welcome our, uh, I guess, our guests, uh, everyone who has joined us in live fantasy chat. Uh, that's right, if you still don't know, uh, usually every Monday, unless something crazy happens, around 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we record this podcast live in video form, which is super fun, and uh, we have live chat, so we get questions from the community to answer. It's basically like what the Fantasy FC guys do, but not on Twitter and much more interactive, So, because you know we care. Uh, so that's what we've been doing. It's it's fantastic. We will be having some guests again now that we have some of the bugs worked out with our new streaming setup here. And those guests are going to be our top patrons uh, who have been such gracious donors. And one of their uh, perks for being one of our top patrons is getting to join us as a guest on the show. So as we round the season down, we're going to be looking forward to having those people and followers and friends on the show with us like we did earlier in the year with Jessup Gage. So enough of this intro. Uh, everybody in chat right now is talking about wanting a bloopers reel, which people listening to the podcast don't know. Uh, we have to use push to talk now with this new setup, and I typically forget to hit push to talk, and so I just start going, and Michael and Blaine see what's going on. They're like, hey. So if we, we're either going to have to do a new intro, which includes them telling me that it's push to talk, or I'm just going to have to record the standard intro so that it is not going to happen ever again. But currently the vote is montage. So if you're listening through SoundCloud or iTunes or Spotify or whatever right now, Stitcher, uh, send me a tweet at MLSFantasyBoss on Twitter. Let me know if you would prefer to have just a standard recorded perfect intro or if you'd like to meet it for me to try to go through and get some of these bloopers to put into uh, a new little intro right there. So uh, that's that's some fun stuff. I guess that's what Weeby would call the shtick at the beginning of the show that that Bobby Warshaw hates so much but we are here to talk fantasy tonight so it was it was rivalry week uh, Heineken rivalry week I can't say that any better than Andrew Weeby or Bobby Warshaw can but uh, we're going <laughs> to talk about that round 25 let's start out with how you all did and chat get ready because I'm going to ask how you did uh, shortly actually go ahead start start posting me your score so I can see what you did uh, Blaine how'd you do um terrible um 137 this round uh it's outside the top 3,000 for the week um i saw that pedro santos wasn't starting that first game and decided to shift some things and made a few shifts that i probably shouldn't have 
Um, I ended up going with Robles and not leaving enough money to switch to Vega, which probably didn't help me very much. But through all that, I forgot to bring in an LAFC defender. Um, I Part of my switching, I had extra money from Santos because I was like, oh, we'll just try a com. He's four point something and cheap. And we'll throw him in a switcheroo. And I went and grabbed Rooney for that red card. So I gave up an LAFC defender, um, a double game week keeper, double home game keeper for Rooney and a minus two. And if I hadn't grabbed Rooney, I would have had Tati instead of possibly even having a New York City defender. So it was all kind of messed up. 137. um, It's just not good for me this week. At least you didn't have Tarek, though. Yeah, I did avoid the double red, thankfully. <laughs> the double red Mike, how'd you do? Um, pretty, pretty, I mean, 154, which I think is okay. I think that's kind of around the ballpark that most people had. Um, from what I could tell, the scores were kind of all grouped, un- unless you were had Rooney like, uh, like Blaine did. Then he kind of got knocked down to that, like, 130 level. Then everyone else is like, 154. And then if you were lucky enough to have Blessing, then you went to that next level. So I was in that mid-level um, I had gambled on Maxi Morales as a captain, um, which didn't backfire by terribly, although Vela uh, was the better captain. But I'm so far down in the standings, I'm like, screw it. Take take a chance. And once I saw Columbus's lineup and that Jossie was not in the 18 and Pedro wasn't, my, it's it's worth a shot. It's got some upside. Um, and Maxi didn't do too badly in that game. Um, big disappointments for me. Um, Atuesta only getting 10. Uh, I was expecting more from him. Um, Lawrence, um, I had missed that he wasn't starting, um, and he only got two points over the week, which, ooh, that's, that's brutal. Then it kind of a lot of, like, so-so, but, I mean, other, you know, I had Segura, I had Tinnerholm, you know, Maxi and Vela uh, and Bear. so. Uh, and the good thing is I did have more up from uh, DC United, and he got an assist. So even though DC had a dreadful week, uh, he was able to do a little bit of something. Uh, so I did pretty well this week. I ended up with uh, 170 points, so I was really pleased with that. I also had uh, Pedro Santos in my lineup as a potential Otteru option, but when I saw him not playing, I swapped him with Royer instead. So uh, that was 12 easy points that I really appreciated right there. I also had Tommy Thompson in my lineup, and I saw that he did not start the first game. There was definitely a lot of rotation for San Jose in the first game, which we'll get to in a second, but I decided I didn't care. Uh, I liked Thompson enough that I was going to go ahead and leave him in for uh, banking on the second game, and uh, I mean, I probably should have switched to something else, but that would have been moving Thompson out to try to get in another double game week player was going to impact multiple players on my team, so I just said, forget it. I'm fine with that. He got me six points. Not horrible, though you'd hope someone that's cost over seven million would get you a little bit more than that. Uh, Otherwise, I was also disappointed in in Vaco. Uh, I really hoped a little bit more from seven from him, but again, he also didn't start in that first game, and I was just like, you know what? Whatever that's messing with with his players at that point was going to cause too much turmoil, so I just rolled the dice on hoping they had a great second game, and he he almost did with that not PK call, Uh, but otherwise, I had Vela captain, I had uh, Bear, I had Morales, Uh, I also had Awful on my bench, who came in for some good points, and Chris Wondolowski, who came in for some pretty decent points, so um, no New York defense, but I did have, or New York City defense, but I did have have, uh, Sean Johnson in the goal, 170 points overall, I feel like that was on... uh, 
it wasn't the, the highest of the scores. Definitely, I think I was in the top 200 for overall. Uh, so 170s and higher were definitely a good place to be this round uh, for to see your position rise. Uh, I feel like that would be maybe the bottom of the top third if I had to, to divide it all up. Maybe like Mike and them were saying, sort of those 150s area might have been an average score. Somewhere like 170 and up or maybe 165 and up was sort of that top third of where you might have been, been shooting at. Uh, but let's go to chat right now and see how you all did. I have to actually turn off my push to talk in order to, to make some of these moves, so pardon if you get some some silence from time to time. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll start reading them off then. Uh, go for I mean, it. We had a lot of kind of the same range. Uh, Patrick, 159. Liam, 160. Charles, 163. MDM, 147. Jojo, 150. Joel, 162. Coulter Nunn, who finally got to join us in chat, uh, 174, which is nice. like the Congrats. highest I've seen so far. Um, and then Eric Moore with a score with Blake Blaine, 132. Shannon, a 136. Um, I think that's all the ones. Oh, oh, Kendrick had a 170, so that's really good. Um, yeah. And then and, uh, a name that I cannot pronounce, uh, 145. How, how would you say <laughs> um, It looks like um, Kardashian, but it's Karakshian. So, I, I, I know I butchered your name, so you can in live tell me how badly I butchered your name. Good try, good try. <laughs> uh, I see some discussion about value right now in chat, so we'll go ahead and mention that. I'm sure some other people are, are talking. Uh, I see people saying they have maybe 119 point some change, and that feels kind of low at this point. I don't, I don't know if I'd agree. Maybe it's a little low. I'm sitting close to 123 million myself. Uh, somebody else in chat has 124.3, Patrick Smith. Uh, I, I think if you're around that 120 mark, you should probably find it fairly easy to field a team at this point in the season. Uh, there, there are a few cheaper defenders that are still playing. You've got some few midfielders that are cheaper. I mean, we got Lapaline and players like that who come in at, at a budget. Uh, and I, th I think around that 127, holy cow, uh, I think I think around in, in that 120-ish area, you should still find yourself able to build a team that, that is definitely acceptable. I've, I've seen weeks that, that Kyle's put out the actual – best 11 fantasy rules wise 128 you guys just what are you doing um that sorry you're throwing me off but uh i've seen the <laughs> I, i've seen the the teams that kyle's put out and there have been weeks where a 90 million team has has been the best 11 mm -hmm. that's out there so it's definitely possible to build these teams like that and since you all keep posting these high scores i'll just have you know that back in the old old version of the game there was one year where i played just for value building when we were doing the old like still uh, fpl season and i did have the highest team value once uh in this game a few years ago which means absolutely nothing right now but like <laughs> i feel like we're being shamed in our live chat and so i just want to throw out there that that yeah we, i mean i have yeah. 118.8 so i mean most of the people in chat have more money than me but i mean we've talked about that um is one of the reasons i've been struggling this year is because i'm like i'm like at least like two million um, below, which I mean can make a big difference. Like for this week, that's a difference between Tinnerholm and Chanel for me. So um, it definitely makes a, a big difference in quality. 
All right, well, let's go a quick review of our head-to-head -head leagues before we get into our surprising moments of fantasy takeaways, and I definitely want to hear from chat from this. Had some good interactions on Twitter uh, this afternoon about this. Uh, Mike, starting with our host's head-to-head -head Invitational League. Uh, Michael, you had a, a narrow win over Jamie Watson from uh, Minnesota, 154 to your 151, so you squeaked by with that score. Uh, Blaine, unfortunately, falls to the power. That is Sherry, our top Patreon League scorer, or sorry, she's she's a top Patreon donor and the top of our Invitational League right now, uh, un, undefeated, 10-0-0, so you just went up against a juggernaut, Blaine, 137-150, to 150. and then I won the MLS Fantasy Boss Derby, uh, I beat Kyle, who writes the Behind the Numbers articles, so we went head-to-head, 170-151, to 151. so uh, doing, doing well right there, so... Um, Overall, I ended up having the top score in our hosts' Invitational League with 170. So if you uh, scored less than, than I did, uh, th you are in good company. A lot of the top players in the league uh, got into the 160s and 150s this round. So don't feel bad about that at all. Uh, and as I said, Sherry is still the top of our hosts' Invitational League with a record of 10 Oh, and oh, she is perfect. She sent me a great picture of attending a game this week, and I can't wait to have her on the show to give her a chance to brag about how well she's she's been doing. Uh, moving on to Patreon, we have a have a shift in the table over at Patreon. Uh, we now have a player with a high score with a record of eight one and O, oh, and that is now Skiles. He has overtaken HG, who drops to second after being dealt his first loss of the season. So that lucky draw for Skiles. Uh, has let him jump to the top of the chart. Woot, there you go, Ryan, right there. Woot, that is you indeed. <laughs> so uh, tough, tough competition with, with all that. So fun times in the Patreon League as well. Uh, now that that's finished, let's get on to some of the surprising moments and key fantasy takeaways from round 25 because, boy, was rivalry week uh, interesting. It was a lot of fun to see these games. So if you're in chat, start throwing out uh, some of your surprising moments right now. And Mike, let's start with you. What was your reaction? Um, so I think the most surprising moment, especially for fantasy, was Wayne Rudy getting part. Um, I mean, that pretty much torpedoed DC United. Uh, it, it seems, and this kind of flows into a takeaway, DC United is really falling apart unimpressive performances in this double game week. Um, they got blown out by Philadelphia in their second game. Um, I mean, had it tied against the Red Bulls, but, I mean, they really should have done better at home in a big rivalry game. I mean, you know, the week before, they lost one nothing to Vancouver, so that's three straight really bad results in a while, in, in a row. Uh, they're probably one of the teams that if you're Montreal and Orlando, you're thinking that's the team that I'm going to pass because they're collapsing. Wayne Rooney thinks I, th I think his head is in England. The, you know, I don't. I wouldn't trust anyone on DC United right now. Um, I mean, I don't think any of their players made the dream team uh, from this double game. They're just, you know. So if they can't really do it in a double game week, I'm not going to pick them up. If anything, I'm kind of looking at their. Blaine, what about you? Yeah. Um... Honestly, this week was kind of what I expected on a few things. Um, Portland losing to Seattle is kind of a shocker to me. Sorry, that's Lily. She's a little tired and doesn't want to lay down yet. Um, El Trafico being a 3-3 game was not a 
big surprise. I think the way they started that game was a shock to everybody. But uh, Blessing getting two goals, he's been on the verge of that all season. Finally put in a really good performance. And then five goals from Dallas was maybe a little surprising. I know Houston's been a team in flux a little bit lately, but this was a Dallas team without Pomacall getting five goals, which was really nice. Yeah, I think and that, that, that's probably one of the biggest surprises is Pomacall was being on the on the bench. I mean, I know Dallas is like, oh, it's not a big deal, but you know, when you're one of your star players is on the bench, and then they put up five. You know, is 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 he going to get lose some time after this? Is going to be some rotation there? That's that's a really interesting question out of Dallas. Um, and I'll I'll throw another interesting you know, per, you know, premium midfielder that started on the bench is Pozuelo from Toronto. Um, in the Canadian Classic, um, you know, I've, I've read some concern that maybe Pozuelo doesn't fit with some of the other pieces, so maybe they're just going to use him off the bench. If so, that's a huge blow um, to his value and something we definitely need to keep a watch on. Um, go- yeah, those are some, some good takeaways. Uh, I will uh, add the San Jose rotation to that, as I mentioned at the top of the show. Um it was a double game week. We got that. You know that the rotations happened. I didn't expect to see it as as heavy with some of these key players, like with Falco and Thompson and, and some of those. Uh, I, I thought there would be a little bit more consistency there, but there wasn't. Uh, but, you know, you just, just kind of have to roll with it at times. Uh, so the San Jose rotation was definitely weird. And Chats picked up a good one that uh, I, didn't, I didn't realize the actual numbers. I know that San Jose has been shooting a lot recently, uh, but I did not realize it was so much with, with uh, most shots in the game, most shots on target in a game, and most saves in, in a game records all being set with that San Jose, mm-hmm. Vancouver. And, and that was shocking because uh, I just didn't realize it yeah. was that many. I knew it was a lot, but I didn't realize it was it was that many. And that that was definitely a crazy game that I know a lot of us were hoping for maybe some some better some better points from. Uh, I will also double down, maybe triple down on the the DC United comments because I had uh, Edward Cunningham from Twitter sent out a message and I was talking about how he didn't expect DC to be just overall futility and I'm going to talk about that real quick right now because I don't think that is a take that we've been shy to to throw out there at least on our show mm-hmm. about DC has been struggling Bruni has not been firing in all cylinders uh, and it is just the key players aren't performing so I was not surprised to see DC not do well the red card justified red card was uh, ill-timed. It did not help at all. But DC struggling is not something that I think should be surprising to many of us. Um, maybe, maybe the way in which they it happened. The red card is definitely surprising. So I'm right there with mm-hmm. with Edward and others right there. But I I think we've been seeing DC struggling a lot recently. So it it is a fantasy bet you can feel better about, or at least if you're going to have some switcheroo options with DC, limit it to one. I mean, you don't don't yeah. go heavy on DC for sure. Uh, the Dallas game, I mean, that, that gro- as I was following it on my phone, I was just like, again? Again? Holy cow. Yeah. I, I had it on while we were, like, you know, doing laundry. And it was just like every other time, brain, you know, Houston brain dead in defense. Um, I mean, the Dynamo at this point probably needed a total rebuild. Um, that back line is slow and old and not good. Um, I, don't, I don't know what they're going to do there. It's kind of, you 
You know, you we're just kind of at that point where, like, just some teams are just falling apart. And, and Houston and D.C. are the ones that are, are doing it. The um, I mean, Houston's already fired their coach. Um, I don't know if, how much longer Ben Olsen will make it. it. Seems like he's in that job forever, so he'll probably survive. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, it was interesting because we saw um, Ola Kamara come back for D.C. United, and he had a really pretty goal. It was the one goal they scored. I, I guess they scored one against Philly. Um, but uh, but he doesn't have enough midfield help to make him a viable fantasy option, I don't think. He's not going to get enough chances. Um, you know, kind of Lucho Acosta, again, has not been really the same since he handled since he had that transfer offer from PSG. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in the offseason. But for right now, I'm not looking at him. On the other hand, a midfielder I am looking at is Pavone from LA Galaxy. This was my really first good look at him i know he only kind of flashed in that spurt you know with the la galaxy having that really good um i would say the really good opening half extra time made it sound like it was just the first 20 minutes but um but i i I saw enough out of him that he's someone to definitely look at when the la galaxy have a good especially right now he's only 10 million um certainly doesn't seem to have the skills and certainly seems to be able to pick a zlatan out if he can pick zlatan out um, you're going to get a lot of playing time, and you're going to get points. So uh, he's definitely someone to look at, especially you know considering some of the other prices of other mids. Uh, definitely someone to keep in mind when the Galaxy are uh, a good match. Yeah, let's move on to our fantasy takeaways. So, chat, if you've got those, uh, uh, start posting those in, uh, in the chat. Uh, I'm going to add at the beginning for fantasy takeaways the value of Columbus players. Uh, mentioned awful last week uh, in my fantasy article, my, my newsletter that you can subscribe to at MLSsoccer.com, shameless plug. Uh, I also mentioned a com uh, as, as a potential switcheroo option. Both of those players did pretty well last week. Of course, they were going up against Cincinnati, so take that as you will. Uh, but cheap players, good off the bench, a bit of an uptick in form. Uh, now, this is not a team you're going to be relying on heavily going forward. You already have Santos, who's doing pretty well also. But uh, you've got some value options right there in Columbus that I would encourage people to look at. Uh, I also want to go back to chat for a second. Uh, we had, let's see here, who said this? Christian. Christian mentioned uh, Latif from LAFC. Uh, Latif, I did think, is a good fancy takeaway for this round, especially with some of the potential injury concerns that Mike will get into in our next segment. Uh, he's he's a uh, low price. He's been doing well for the past several weeks. I think he had a couple couple of goals this week. Uh, the week before, I don't think he got really much of anything. And then the two weeks before that, I think he maybe got a goal or an assist in each one of those. So he's been getting into the attack definitely more and uh, is, a, is a low value. And I think that could be a good option to look forward to. Uh, budget-wise, if you're looking for LA coverage, LAFC coverage in general, and then this crazy game with Seattle and Portland, like uh, those those Cascadia cups are always wild. But to just see sort of the shift, well, I mean, for that matter, the Toronto Montreal game, but the shift we're going to be talking more about about the uh, Canada in a second. But uh, just to see these shifts and to see Portland be frustrated. Uh, and, and Brian Fernandez frustrated and Valeri frustrated by just clogging up that middle is, is really hurting them. And I, and I think that can factor into some of your fantasy decisions for this week for how much of that coverage you may want. What do you think about that, Mike? 
Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, something we probably ought, ought to mention with Portland is that Brian Fernandez defense has seemed to have adjusted him in a little bit after, you know, his tour started in his first, I guess, five games where he scored a goal, um, you know, to open up for the first five games. Uh, I think he's only scored two goals since, so it seems the defenses have kind of adjusted to him. Also, it seems that Portland's really having trouble at home. They keep, keep, keep dropping odd results at home. Uh, I mean, the Sounders team, I, I know it's a rivalry, and I know they had all the off-the-field stuff, but, I mean, Seattle came in really, really struggling. And, you know, they took it to him and got two goals. And, you know, Portland couldn't do much more with that. And, and you know, I don't think Portland looked good all game. There wasn't really much of a threat that they were going to, you know, for them to, you know, they've gone from, a, oh, yeah, they've got the games in hand, all these games at home. They're going to boost, you know, rocket up the standings and, and definitely get a home playoff match. And now it's. Well, I'm pretty sure they'll get a playoff match, but it'll probably be on the road. Maybe that suits them better because they're more of that counterattacking style, but it seems that they've been really struggling at home to teams that they shouldn't be struggling I also want to go Matt, back to you talking about Pavone. Uh, in one of Matt Doyle's articles this week, he mentioned that Zlatan and Pavone are in at least his conversation for top five or maybe at least top ten of best MLS offensive pairings ever. So I I think that's quite a statement with only, wow. what, three games under Pavone's belt at this yeah. point? Not not too many. Uh, but, I mean, that's what that's what he gets paid the big bucks for. Make make the hot takes, get the people talking. Uh, but that? Is that Bobby or that, Matt? That was Doyle. That was Doyle. Oh, wow. But I think that does speak to what you were saying, Mike, <laughs> and what you had, had observed, that there is a connection there with Slaton and Pavone that could – uh, pay off fantasy wise as well uh quickly gonna mention a question that ted firestone sent to us another patreon subscriber wanted to know which teams that we think have thrown in the towel and i've actually carved out a little bit more for this question uh coming up in our housekeeping uh, but specifically he wanted to know about vancouver houston cincinnati colorado dc uh, i think a few of those teams definitely are where we mentioned this last week Looking at which teams have made the playoffs is going to be crucial into knowing which ones have thrown in the towel or which ones still have something to play for, especially teams that are playing for a home field advantage in the playoffs may still be having more skin in the fight that even if they've already made it than some of the teams who are definitely on the bubble and are going to be playing an away game. So it uh, doesn't necessarily mean, though, that teams have thrown in the towel, but you may start seeing more rotations and more younger players getting time in the field. So uh, take that what it what it might be. Um, we got a comment from Patrick here saying that one of the commentators in the FCC game said that they're basically just playing for their jobs next year. Yes, I heard that multiple times. Yes, it is also true. Uh, expect a massive shakeup. And you know what? Just to get a little bit of the bitterness off my chest, I am so happy that everyone down in St. Louis is going to have, sl- what, a year to get ready to come into to Major League <laughs> Soccer, that that must be such such a great feeling, um, and mm. that's just so nice, so nice for them. Uh, but Blaine's <laughs> Blaine's back. Blaine, do you have any quick fantasy takeaways to give us before we move on? Uh, the last question. I have one last question before we do. But any any takeaways from you? Um, despite all the hard times DC has had, Ola Kamara scored. It's true. Yeah. That's true. He did. He, he's 
He's good. Uh, and hopefully DC gets some uh, midfielder that can because I, I think they'll they'll do something next year. But I, I just don't think Ariola is enough. And that's right now. That's all. That Lucho just keeps no showing. Well, Ariel has been playing as a second forward, so that's yeah. kind of if they're going to a four-four-two. It's either him or Quincy. Um, maybe you move him back, but no. I mean, um, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if they bench Rooney and just let Kamara play. That's that is quite the take. That is quite the take. I mean, that'll definitely happen for this next week since they have no choice thanks to the red card. So uh, we'll see how that plays out for them. All right, last question I have for you all and for chat. Had this come through on Twitter. I thought it was interesting. Uh, do you all find that it's harder to make big moves in your either your overall fantasy ranking or in your head-to-heads uh, because of all the number of double game weeks? Either one of you guys, what do you think? Yeah, chat I think is saying so. yes. Chat is agreeing with you. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, because you, you end up narrowing on a few players like everyone had Vela everyone had Maxi Morale you know wasn't a whole lot of differentiation <clears throat> and even the differentiation which players you know did you want to have the keeper for New York City or the defender for New York City it's not that same why kind of variance that we see on a single game ring. so um yeah I think it's absolutely been an issue this year you know, I mean, I know I've struggled a lot this year because of budgets and issues in the beginning of the year. But there's just not a whole lot when it's like, okay, I'm going to sit down. All right, well, I, all right, Montreal and Vancouver again. So I don't even have, like, you know, this is kind of an awful double game week. But, I mean, most double game weeks, you know, you can pretty much pick the, the first eight people in your team that you've got to have because you're going to have the best players on the double game week team. For sure, it's it's just tough to make your difference, and your differences are going to be a point or two. You you can't have as many wild swings. I mean, every once in a while, there's like, okay, this captain pick made a huge difference, or going this team over this team it's a huge double game. For the most part, that just hasn't happened. You in agreement, Blaine? Yeah, yeah, and I think we've had one or two double game weeks this year where it's been eight, ten teams. And all of them are the heavy hitters. Um, a lot of times we get a couple of really good teams playing, and so we load up six players right there, and then the rest of them are just kind of so-so where you're contemplating not taking your full allotment of double game week players. Like this week is a great example. Like, I don't know if you want to go six deep on a double game week this week, um, and so that puts us back to a single game week, but we've had this with every double game week where – you know, this week, if you don't take six, you know pretty much everybody who's going to be taken anyway, and you just kind of hedge your bets and go with that. And that's been the whole season, really, is just bad double game week mixes to pick from. So it's kind of shuffled us all into one one set or one set way of picking that we're all used to. Yeah, it's a, it's a unanimous in chat. Everybody agrees that it is harder with the double game week. So uh, I actually don't think I, I went back a few weeks ago to look th look at this. Uh, I don't think the number of double game weeks has really changed that much over the past few years. So maybe this feeling has not changed either. What I did not look at, though, was if the number of teams playing during those double game weeks has changed. So I don't know if maybe you usually average maybe three or four, and now we're averaging closer to seven or eight teams or so. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, seven or eight games, three or four games. 
so uh, it's it's definitely interesting. I, I do want to push back a little bit and say I, I, I think there is still some room for uh, team variants. I, I know we do our best to try to cover a wide range of players when we're talking about this, uh, but I do think there are still some tendencies for people to lean towards certain players, definitely. We're partly to blame for that as well, I would say, with the advice that we give out. Uh, and and I do like, I think, what uh, Patrick was saying in chat, that it's usually just going to be maybe two, one, one to three players that are sort of your differentials each week. So, um, But yeah, interesting. It was an interesting question. I wanted to throw it out for chat, wanted to throw it out to you guys. And of course, if you're listening uh, later on with the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, uh, shoot me a, a, a message at MLS Fantasy Boss. Let me know what you think about double game weeks and how that impacts your fantasy scoring and uh, just in general. But I mentioned that we we're going to be talking about Toronto and so not just Toronto. Toronto is not going to be, we're going to be talking about Canada. <laughs> Canada is what we're going to be talking about uh, because we have one team on a double game week this week, uh, and that means this round. We're moving into our Patreon housekeeping section right now. Uh, this round starts on Wednesday, August twenty eighth at eight o'clock p.m. with Montreal versus Vancouver. So we're going to be talking about. The lone double game week this time. Our lone Canadian double game week in just a second. Of these two double game week teams, Vancouver has one away game, one home game. But Montreal has a double home game week this round. So, a pretty mediocre double game lineup, I must say. Uh, but uh, it's it could have some interesting impacts in team building. Nobody's on a bye. And if you're looking for switcheroo options, you can definitely look at Minnesota and RSL as potential sources for those cheap 4.0 players to be able to work them into your team to give you the flexibility that you may need to make a, a budget that's a little bit lower, go a little bit farther, uh, and to just get your switcheroos and auto-roos activated. So uh, we got that set up. Uh, sorry, I'm just looking through chat for a second. Had, a, had an alert pop up. Uh, we had someone mention about, Ted mentioned about teams that are throwing in a towel. I went through 538.com real quick, and I got uh, some of their playoff picture stats right here. So LAFC is the only team that has clinched a spot in the playoffs. Uh, don't expect them to let their foot off the gas, though. May have some resting, but I wouldn't expect too much resting as they really want to sink at home about how good they are, break those records, and just cement themselves as the top team. Uh, Atlanta, New York City FC, and Philadelphia all have a 99% chance to make the playoffs, so they're pretty much golden right there. It's just going to depend if they're going to fall into a, a two or a three spot overall. So those are pretty much the four teams. Other teams are like 94 96%, but we're just going to go with these 99s and up right now. Uh, those are the four teams that are solidly in the playoff picture right now. Um, they're going to be playing for those, those home field advantages, except for LA already hasn't. Um, but the other teams will be playing for home field advantage, so don't expect them to throw in the towel as there's still something for them to get for this playoff picture. The teams that are basically out, and basically out is me saying that they have a less than 1% chance to make the playoffs. That is FC Cincinnati, Vancouver, and Colorado. So if any team is going to look like it's going to start throwing in a towel, it's going to be these three teams. Uh, you may start seeing some rotation. The Cincinnati guys, of course, are playing for their jobs, literally. So they may be putting out all they can with the A lineup. But I'd expect some new coaches in two of these teams to start doing some experimentation with lineups. 
uh, we can see how that looks. So those are the three teams that I would expect to have the most variance over uh, the coming weeks. Do you guys disagree? No, I mean, I think that's about right. I mean, we saw, you know, Columbus rotate a midweek game against New York City. I think that's exactly the kind of stuff that you'll see. Um, yeah, and Columbus is right there, too. They're like a 1% chance. There's a couple teams that are right there, very, very low. I'm just covering the 99% teams and the less than 1% teams. You can check it out at 538 uh, for the for the MLS covers, the predictions they have right there to see some of that, uh, some more of those and stats. One thing I'll add is that I mean, Colorado has been pretty much done since April, so it's not anything new to them. It's just a matter of... Uh, and the other thing about Colorado is they just hired a coach, Robin Fraser, who uh, I guess will be taking over this week. So I'm not as worried about them throwing in the towel because for them it's all about, oh, new guys here. I need to make a good impression to make sure I for get sure, to for sure. my job. So um, that that situation seems a little bit different than, than some of the other ones. I mean, Cincinnati's new coach just came in. Um, so, I mean, that'll be a, kind of a similar situation, guys trying to impress a coach. And that's pretty much all they have. All right. Well, let's move on, Mike, to your injury report so tell us what this looks like for round 26 all right well let's um talk about uh midweek fixtures that are not part of the fantasy game i think for the last time this year fingers crossed on that uh but that is the u.s open cup final happens tuesday night against um, atlanta united is hosting minnesota united um i would expect both teams to play a plus lineups neither team has won that uh, competition before so should be um, an interesting game. Check that to make sure about it, injuries and, and whatnot. Uh, as far as big injuries or impacts for the double game league teams, really not that many uh, instances, except for the coach, because something we have not talked about on this podcast yet is that Remy Gard is out as Montreal Impact coach and was replaced on Thursday with Wilmer Cabrera. Um, I don't know why they did that, but they did it, so we might see some new rotation of players from Montreal, some unexpected things. So that's something to be aware of. Um, obviously, we talked about Wayne Rooney's red card, and it's going to carry over into this week. Um, Stephen Goff with the Washington Post has already reported that Disco is extending that suspension, so he will miss the game against Montreal, which is the second part of that double game week. Um, another red card suspension to affect the double game week players is uh, Ronald Matarita got a red card for a headbutt. Um, I would assume that that suspension will stick, so that means he'll miss uh, the second the game for Vancouver's second game. Uh, excuse me. I, I don't know if there were a whole lot of red cards. I mean, we talked about Tarek's red card. Um, I, I don't think that he'll get an additional suspension for that because that was just two yellows and probably shouldn't have gotten the first one. I think that's that's it there's not a whole lot of other big injuries but, but those are the ones uh, to keep in mind for the double game uh, oh excuse uh, me i mentioned uh, forgot the biggest vela came off at six yeah. minutes with a hamstring um mri uh, was supposedly due today I i've been updating on kevin baxter's feed haven't seen anything i would be kind of shocked if they rushed him back usually hamstrings are a two week two week injury well, then again, I've been kind of confused by why Bob Bradley pay, played Carlos Vela 90 minutes in a blowout win uh, San Jose. So, you know, shr um, shrugs here, but I would be very cautious with Vela, um, depending on what the news is. Like. 
Charles just popped into chat for us. He's an Impact fan. He said Cabrera, Camacho, and Ritala didn't practice today. So that's huge for their defense right there, missing players. And I saw it on MLS today, and Charles mentioned it as well. Rod Fanny just re-signed with the Impact. He was with them in 2018. They didn't pick up his option this year, but they just signed him back to the squad. So either they're either these injuries are piling up and they're grabbing an emergency defender for this for this midweek match, or with Diallo leaving in the transfer window, their their defense is kind of up a creek right now. So this may be a time to look at that as the first game, second game, picking against their defense may be good right now. Yeah, that's that's crazy with Vela, and I don't know. Two weeks for a hamstring seems a little early for me but i guess it depends on if it's if it's actually like a sprain or just soreness or or what but those those can be pretty pretty lengthy recoveries so um but well and there's an international break coming up so i mean it, it may end up actually being three weeks i don't i don't remember what lafc schedule during the international break is i feel like they've played a bunch of games so they may i don't think they're one of the teams that is playing a lot during that break I mean, you know, for for them, when we saw it last night, why, you know what I mean? I, I mean, wouldn't be surprised if it's, but obviously it's going to be something that we're all, all really interested in because LAFC is going to be playing Minnesota, and Minnesota has that midweek Open Cup game. Um, so, I mean, they're going to be, you know, I mean, Minnesota's got a long week ahead of it, flying down to it, and then I don't know. They'll fly back to Minnesota in the meantime, but then they've got to go all the way across country. So, uh, LAFC is definitely a team, you know, if Fellow was 100% really so. All right. Well, thank you, Mike, for that uh, injury update. We've got a lot of Montreal talking going on right now. We'll get to that in just a second. If you're just now joining us, welcome. We're getting ready to talk about our, our Round 26 previews and our ESPN Plus Round 26 player preview section starting out like we always do guys who do you think has the best fantasy match for points this week and are there any players that are a hard pass for you blaine um good question this week i think there's a lot of wide open matches here um Honestly, for points, the way the two teams are playing right now, I'm going to go with the Philadelphia-Atlanta game. I think this is a lot of potential for offense being Mm. in Philly. And with Atlanta playing the midweek game, you could see some rotation on the back end, or you'll see some tired legs. Philly is on the upswing, and Atlanta's defense on the road isn't quite as strong as it is at home. I just think this is one that could see four or five goals easily. Mike? Um, I mean, I mentioned... LAFC, I think regardless of whether or not Vela's there, I think that's a good one. Um, FC Dallas against Cincinnati. I mean, pick any team against Cincinnati, you're you're probably in a good spot. Um, And then the other one, uh, Vancouver against New York City. But, I mean, I think for New York City, I mean, New York City's looked pretty good. It's one of the few weeks where they don't have a double game week. Uh, We just saw Vancouver give up a record number of socks to San Jose. Um, I, I feel like this might be a game where Dome Torrent just throws on Parks, Hebert, and Tati and says, go have fun, boys. Um, so I, I, I could definitely see a lot of goals. Anybody that you're a hard pass on, either one of you? Um, I, I should have mentioned, I mean, Piotti's hurt, so, I mean, he's someone you normally look at for a Montreal week. Um, 
Let me change this question. Are you a hard pass on Vela with his injury concerns and playing the last round of the week? I was just going to say, you've got two options here. You either have to take a hard pass on Vela at $15 million, or you have to look at potentially a cheaper option for LAFC that you can roll Vela into. Say, drop him down to Rossi, who will be getting a lot more time and upgrading a midfielder to um, to somebody like a Blessing or something who's going to be getting more. Otherwise, I don't think you can risk it on Vela if the hamstring injury news doesn't come out that he's cleared to play and he's back in practice full speed this week i just you can't lose you can't leave 15 million down and a downgrade for that much on the bench and not use that money so you either got to have a plan to remove vela and upgrade a player and replace him with somebody who's gonna get the minutes there or just take a hard pass so the final question before we get into it again lots of conversation going on in our chat and i promised all of our canadian listeners that we were talking canadian teams tonight let's do it right now montreal vancouver is this a double game week where the double game week players might not be as attractive as a single game week players blaine um yes and no um uh, my first draft is what i'm looking at right now and i have six players from the double game week so holy crap for uh, first draft, I went all in with six players. Um, I think there is some value, especially on some of the cheaper options. I think the matchups we're seeing leave a uh, uh, leave a lot open to discussion and interpretation. But I think you can potentially make a solid case for six players here this week. Mike, what about you? Um, I have five right now. Um, and it really just comes down to, well, you know, Vancouver has, I'm mostly just loaded up my bench. Like bench is Tuve has Nowitzki, Reyna and Lapalina. Sorry to spoil some of my picks, but, um, that's kind of thinking is to kind of see what that happens. And I have, it, I have switcheroo sort of that, like at least one will come in. Um, and then I can kind of play with it and I'll, I'll go into that. Uh, although I'm reading. Charles say that Bush might rotate this week, according to Wilma Cabrera. Yeah, I just saw that. Um, which that's a big deal for me because I mean I was kind of enjoying the five million dollar keeper, but I mean I mean the plus side for these players is a lot of them are on the cheaper side. Um, you know, especially from the Vancouver defender. You know, and I, I could definitely see that Montreal Vancouver game being like a nil nil, so it could also be like a one one. You know, it's kind of, I don't, there's not a whole lot of good scoring on either side. So, and also, and this kind of gets into the comment back in the double gaming. There hasn't been a whole lot of steady defenses. There's not a whole, like that one team, like, all right, these guys are going to grind out clean cheeks. I mean, probably the best team um, defensively is like maybe LAFC, but um, sure. Atlanta, and I mean, For Atlanta's sure. on the road against Philly. So they're, they're, they're not a good pick this week either. So, um, I, I don't mind kind of throwing some of those defenders to kind of their mutual offensive inevitable results in some clean sheets and then some extra double game points, you know. Um, for the price points, it's not too bad. So that's kind of where I'm thinking of. Um, also, I think both of them play relatively early. Well, I mean, Vancouver is the late game on Saturday. But you've got both Sunday games to a 
So if you want to throw some extra money in, you can really do some switcheroos pretty almost all. I think you all are crazy. I'm more over here with uh, with JoJo and and Nano who are saying like I've got three players right now for my double game week. I think this is totally a double game week where you do not have to worry about going all in. You're exactly right in that the double game week players this round are better suited for your bench as switcheroo and auto roo options. Uh, you're probably still going to want to have at least one of those guys on your starting team, and, and I think we all may have a similar one uh, who, who mm -hmm. might be that. But uh, the the Bush Nuge is huge, because I think a lot of people were considering having Bush as their keeper, at least in a keeper-roo, because Montreal does play a fairly early game, gives you at least four or five teams as uh, home teams as, as a switcheroo option for a keeper. Uh, but that's, that's huge news as far as that goes. I think you could easily pivot... Uh, a bush to a, a defender and, and not have much of a loss. Maybe go with Vancouver's keeper instead uh, if you're just one of those points. But don't forget that a double game week is only about 1.5 times more points. It's not double points. So I think with two teams, one that's on the bubble playing for their life, which is Montreal, and one that's pretty much less than 1% chance, is pretty much out of it for the playoffs. I, I don't think this is a, a week that you need six players from the Double Game Week teams. But we'll see. If you haven't chimed in on chat already, please do. Let us know if you're thinking how many players, Double Game Week players, you're thinking of having. We're going to move on now to talking about which players we are targeting. And as always, starting with keepers, defenders, and clean sheet chances. Blaine. Yeah, um, I do have Bush, but that um, rotation risk could do that. I think if he starts the first game, I'm going to risk it and go with it. He may be on the bench so he can see the second game. But at $5 million on a double game week, um, you just you got to go with it. And Christian Ward just put it in chat. If, the, if a defender gets a four and a three on the week, that's seven points. You're looking at a clean sheet or a ton of bonus points for a single game week player to match that. So we've got some names out there like, if you if you don't have a couple of defensive options here, at least on your bench, especially with their prices, I think you're missing it here. I think you should be able to find three guys for at least for your bench right here. And let me switch screens really quick. And yeah, so um, I I go with my first lineup with Bush back, uh, Bush at keeper. I've got Adnan as at 7.1 but he's been getting forward and the new news that montreal's defense may be a little uh patched together makes that pick even stronger and then i've got nerwinski at 4.6 he's been starting frequently it's really hard to pass up a double game week defender at that price um if bush doesn't go i may roll into one of the uh, montreal defenders and save a little bit of money on some of the other guys i've got back here uh, like ziggler who is 8.6 and takes penalties for Dallas. I think that's a huge um, piece right there. Um, I also liked Hollingshead this week, at, but he's at 9 point something. I mean, ridiculous price. And with some of my other options, I couldn't fit him in there. Let's talk about As, that real quick, though. Uh, we okay. had two different opinions of that come in from Twitter. Uh, Kevin Redmond said that the prices are ridiculous for defenders. And then we had Leanne who came in who, who said that she thinks that the more expensive defenders are finally starting to prove to be worth their price. Are You, you seem to be leaning more towards Kevin. Um, 
Well, I went with Ziggler, who takes the penalties at 8.6 because I couldn't fit Hollingshead in. My very first draft is I was just grabbing all of my one-and-a-half players in there, included Hollingshead. Uh, the way he plays, the way he gets assists, and sometimes scores going up against FC Cincy, um, I don't think you're, he's going to... I think he'll live up to his price, let's put it that way. Um, he is a guy I would trust in this game at that price. Uh, he would be in my lineup, and he may still be in my lineup. Um, when we get to the forwards, I will have some extra money coming because I'm going to have to drop Vela out. Um, he is, He was in my lineup because I didn't realize he had the hamstring injury. So if I get the extra money and I can work it, I'm going to go with Hollingshead over Ziggler. Um, I probably can't afford both, but yeah, some of those super premium defenders right now, I do feel are worth it um, to maintain your value in this score system we currently have means you have to be consistently putting up points. Otherwise, you start dropping three to five, uh, 300 to 500,000 each week, each bad game. And you have you have to do something to keep going up in value and to maintain this price for a long period of time. So the guys that are up there are proving that they can do it week in and week out. Mike. Um, so, all right. So I have Bush uh, as um, defensively. I have uh, Daniel Henry. Um, he's actually been a pretty decent um, bonus point generator. So at 5.7, I, I liked him more than uh, Adnan, who's been a little really hot and cold for me. At a 7.1, it just wasn't worth it for me. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not taking the same tact as Blaine. I don't feel like Montreal's defense is particularly susceptible those players have been kind of weird for a lot of the time um and for me the way i'm looking at it is vancouver and dc right now are really really bad so i don't mind going montreal defenders because both of those offenses are inept um other defenders um i also have nowitzki i, I do agree with blaine 4.6 you can pass him up i have him on my bench um as far as other starters i have chanel Again, Vancouver, offensive ineptitude. Uh, and then I have Ziegler for exactly the same reason that Blaine does, which is that I can't afford Hollingshead. Well, I can't afford Hollingshead, and so I did have him on my team. Sorry. Uh, but so, so here's my thought. I definitely agree. Let me switch to the, the screen again. Uh, I definitely agree with, with what Krishna was saying about uh, you get a four, you get a three, that that's going to add up to a seven can be harder for a single game week player to score. You could also end up getting a two and a two. You could also end up getting a one and a two. So you could end up with just three points, depending on how those games go, especially for Vancouver. Uh, and if Montreal is in shambles in the background for Montreal with that, maybe you get lucky and do get the shutout in the first one, or maybe it's a one-one draw in the first one. So my next thought then becomes, you just roll the dice and get some of the cheap guys. Maybe you're pushing me to four players now if I'm going to go with a defender from each team and then two midfielders uh, or a defender, someone from the defensive unit. But do you just say, forget that, I'm going to go with the offensive defenders. Get those guys who are putting in crosses, putting in key passes, and forget bonus points and a clean sheet. I'm going for a goal. I'm going for an assist to add that on there. So when I was looking at players, I'm looking at people like Ryan Hollingshead, for one, and I did have that budget for him. I'm looking at people like maybe Graham Zuzzi going up against a Houston team that, that just did not do very well in, the, in their big derby. Uh, got some history there with Sporting Kansas City as well. Again, I'm looking at Tommy Thompson, another kind of expensive guy, but has been able to get up 
in the past. So I, I think those are some of the players. Maybe even look at Betashore over at, at LAFC if you've got the money. These have these are guys with an offensive flair that could pay off in a single game week situation and and uh, bridge that gap quicker with some of those double game week guys, especially since they're below average defenses with potential keeper rotations and uh, poor defensive histories in general. So that's where my head was. Uh, if you are still looking for some value and you do want some of those more traditional center back guys, uh, I'm also going to throw out a non-double game week player, uh, Smith, over at Sporting Kansas City. Uh, he, I think he's jumped to the top of that of that depth chart there. Blaine, you can you can chime in to that. But uh, I, I think there's, there's a sub-6 million guy that could also work if you're looking for a cheap player that I think's probably got a pretty good shot at a clean sheet this week. Yeah, Smith is ahead of Fantas in the depth chart right now. He is behind Barat, but Barat's been injured lately, and Smith's been playing really well with Beasler, so I don't know that Vermees is going to break up that chemistry right now. And let me just add that I also think Christian makes another good point. Christian, we're just going to have to have you on the show sometime, so so hit <laughs> me up. Um, we're makes another good point that on top of all that the problem with some of these Montreal and Vancouver defenders is you could see price drops and uh, if you are having some budget woes at this point of the season that that could be a pretty big hit so uh, all right well there we go uh, some great chat I think we got a good coverage right there with the double game week people or not I will say that my defense is definitely in flux right now uh, because I agree with some of what's been said earlier defense has been blah this entire season it's been hard to find guys and as far as that question about uh, are they too expensive I fall somewhere in between uh, I do find that these defenders as they start as they get over eight million I'm thinking dang am I really gonna have to pay that much for a defender that's that's a lot for what they're producing um, but then again lots of them are producing so I can't argue too much if their averages are, are working out but um, it's it's interesting at times for sure let's move on to midfield who are you thinking Mike all right, so um, I have, I think, the guy that we all have this week. Uh, um, he's been a consistent bonus point producer uh, despite Montreal's struggles, despite not having body. So definitely someone to have on your team. Um, rounding out, I have um, Barrios from S. Pick offensive players against Cincinnati. Pick any kind of Cincinnati. Uh, and then I have Max Morales. I figure Vancouver has, it's not just against San Jose. Vancouver's been letting up a lot of shots, which means uh, Max Morales opportunities for, um, you know, through balls and stuff that'll get him uh, offensive bonus points. So he'll continue to rack up uh, good points. And then I have um, Reina from Vancouver on the bench. He's a decent um, bonus point producer, but at 8.1, I figure over the double game. We'll see if what he can't string something together to make him, you know, push on to the actual. Oh, and then I, I do have one more. I bench as well. Um, he, he's been really hot or cold, so we'll see if he has a, a hot against either of these two really bad opponents. Blaine, what about you? Mike, who was that last pick? I didn't catch the name. Okay, thanks. Yeah, because he's on my bench, too. Um, I've got Reyna and Lapalainen, just like Mike does. They're both bench players right now for me. Um, think you've got a, I, I think you should roll the dice with them. I've got, I've got three forwards in, so I'm good with having a couple of midfielders on the bench. 
and I've got a little bit of I got a few spots where I could really upgrade some of my other players if one of these guys hits and I drop out one of the other guys that's in my list. Um, so I've I've got tighter starting. Um, I'm gonna roll with it. Um, he's been doing well enough, and I think you got to take it at this week. Two home games, just go with it. And then I've got Heal and Gutierrez from Kansas City this week right now. Um, I didn't quite have the budget for Maxi Morales. He's on my short list of players that I would try to bring in. Um, Pedro Santos is also on the list of guys that if I had a little bit more budget, I would might might look at upgrading from Gutierrez to one of those guys. But uh, Houston's been struggling and been giving up goals. And Gutierrez, is kind of, this last week, he didn't have it quite so much. But he has been one of the focal points of the attack lately and seems to be getting some of the better midfield play. Um, Johnny Russell as a winger is another guy that I kind of contemplated, but I like the way Gutierrez is playing through the midfield right now. And then um, with everything going on in Toronto, I think um, he'll might be one of those borderline must-own players. He's been tearing up teams, playing at home. If is not playing, that's just one less piece for New England to worry about and a little bit more of the ball for their guys. And I just I think he's earned his 13 million price tag right now. For sure, agree. Uh, definitely, yeah. Heel was one of the the players I added. Uh, one of my first five players. Also have tight air. I think uh, that he was th- that easy go to pick for for Montreal being in your starting lineup. Uh, you guys have hit a lot of, of the main players. I'm just going to throw out a couple other names. Um, Without Vela, if you're still looking for some some LAFC coverage, you might consider Blessing. Uh, 9.9, that's sub-10 million point. He's had uh, good returns over the past four weeks that I already talked about at the top of the show. Uh, could could be seeing some more action. Of course, you always got to talk about Rossi and, and the other guys that are going to be at Tuesta K that are always coming up at that. But I, I think Blessing could be a good pick if you're wanting some of that, that coverage. Um for for uh, Montreal, I know we've said Lassie has been good. He played out there on the on the left wing this last round. I'm looking at Bohan. That's that's what I'm looking at. Playing up there up top. He he's a midfielder. He's a midfielder in the game. Playing up top as a forward in actual reality. Uh, Seven point three. Uh, I I think that with that double game week, both at home. Vancouver DC it's a good lineup uh, some some teams that aren't as strong I think that we could see some some good stuff from Bohan uh, he's listed in the game as uh, Kirkic K-R-K-I-C B-K-R-K-I-C so uh, that's who we're talking about if you hear the name Bohan being thrown around uh, otherwise I think you guys have named a lot of them I think that uh, uh, let's see here some of the Sorry, I've lost my train of thought because I had to switch screens again. Uh, going through there, yeah, Pedro Santos is a good shout for Columbus if you want to. I think there may be some better options, though. You could look over at Philadelphia. My worry is, depending on how Atlanta is going to play against Minnesota or what's still left in their gas tank, that even players like Montiero or, or some of their, or Silino, something like that, may not be as great. FC Dallas, like you said, Blaine, is just, like, take your pick of, of who you're really looking forward to. If Pomichol's playing, maybe he's one you consider, but I think Barrios is probably the top pick from that. And uh, the same reasons that I was thinking about Zussi as a defender are the same reasons I think you look at the Sporting Kansas City midfielders as an option that this Houston has not been playing well uh, at all. So the the one team that's kind of a weird curveball for me this week is the New York Red Bulls, uh, and that is because 
Colorado did just get their new coach. So I think it's going to be hard to predict how they play up against the Red Bulls. Uh, and uh, I, I don't like uh, this, these unknown situations for fantasy in general. You may, you may catch that if, if this is the first time you're listening to our show. You, you may probably have it, but those of you who've been listening for a while, you know that when new players come in or these new situations come up, I tend to lean towards the conservative side of I, I don't have information to know how to expect them to react to this. So I, that, that I could see why you might want to go with a Red Bull player mm-hmm. at this point, but uh, that's just there's an unknown there for me with Colorado, so, so I don't know. I would also agree, Mike, I think New York City FC has the best away chance of any of the teams this round. So Morales is a pretty good maybe differential pick this week. Let's get on to our forwards, Blaine. Um, yeah, so Vela was kind of my headliner to start this, but knowing that he's injured, I'm dumping him out of the lineup right now. Um, I still, I still like that game. Um, I think I'd probably go with Rossi if Vela's not playing. Um, I may just put Rossi in there and just roll with it, but, uh, this new guy Rodriguez looked really good. And so he may come in and try to play that play the weekend game and Rossi may not but that's an easy swap to make and then I've got Ferreira for Dallas at 6.5 I kind of want to see that lineup too just to know who's going to play I know there's been some rotation I know I'm I'm not even going to try to butcher the name their one TAM player designated player finally scored and scored huge Andrasic yeah so I mean, I think there, there could be a little bit of rotation risk there. There could be a little bit of question in the lineup. So definitely watch that if you're looking at this one. But I like what I've seen from Ferreira playing so far this season. Um, I think he's going to be the guy they go with. But recent form may change that. Uh, they seem to be a team that's rotating quite a bit right now. So watch that. But whatever forwards up there, I'm going to be grabbing. And then I've got Tasti, uh, Taddy Castellanos from um, New York City in this one. Um, I don't trust the Vancouver defense fully, and he's just been on fire. I think, what is it, Mike, five goals in four games? Um, I'm going to ride him while he's hot and just throw him in there at $8 million. It's not a huge risk, and he might be one of those first guys dropped if one of my midfielders in the switcheroo really hits it big. Mike? Uh, yeah, I have I, right now. I have Vela in. Um, we will. We'll, I'm basically doing that as a placeholder to make sure I have the money for Vela, depending on what the injury diagnosis is. Uh, that is not the case. I mean, I guess I would probably switch to Rossi, but I would a long, uh, think about who who I would go in there. Maybe uh, even switching to to Bo for New England against Toronto. We'll have to see because then I have a lot of money to play around. Um, I do also have Andrasic. Um, right now I'm on the starting spot, 5.5. Um, he's kind of have as a thought in case the Vancouver players on my bench do super well. Uh, I'll just scrub them out. But um, I have Abair instead of Toddy, uh, pretty much on the thinking of Abair getting shots. Um, Abair is such a clinical finisher. I, I still think, I, I, even though Toddy does have the better price point, um, I'm willing to spend a little bit more for a bit um, who's been a little bit more consistent so that's kind of my, my thinking uh there um should also mention in chat charles keeps ruining our day uh, no doubt the tighter has uh may, possibly has a calf injury 
So I don't know. I haven't been able to track that on, on, on Twitter, but obviously sometimes watching games will give you a better idea about who might be injured than, than anything else. Uh, be aware about that because that would be uh, a big bummer. So yeah, because I think we all had like Tyder and Bush. So <laughs> those are the two players that Charles thinks may be injured. So uh, be aware. Let me just say, Charles is is ruining our day, but is also the MVP of chat tonight because we have not been able to see some of these notifications from Montreal, either just overlooking them through sheer Twitter flood or them not being available. So uh, Ty Dare not being well, available. Well, and it's harder to get Montreal because half of it's in <laughs> True, true. Half of it is in French, and none of us speak French, and I feel like that is more your fault than ours, being from Louisiana. <laughs> It, it, it is my, it is. My sure. grandmother spoke French. I, I should speak French. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, I have a little bit of difference with, with my forwards. Again, another position that's still kind of in flux, especially with all the crazy Montreal news that we are getting. Um, without Vela in my lineup, I feel like I can get the coverage I want by moving... Uh, over to Blessing instead of having to get a Rossi, and I think I can still get some LA coverage. I still, that's just so late in the round, uh, and, and we'll just see what happens. Minnesota can be a team that bunkers up and and cuts out those chances in the 18, and if Vela doesn't play, that could be frustrations for LAFC, and since they have clinched it, maybe that's a game they just say, whatever, we don't really have to worry about it, let's just not lose, try to get a point or whatever, play off a counter. Uh, for me, that puts Bo near the top of my list of players who I want. Uh, the problems in Toronto, some of the form that New England's been on, uh, I like that. So I've got Bo as, as a lineup there. I also have uh, Andrasik from Dallas in my lineup. Definitely want to see who they play against FC Cincinnati. But I have little faith in what's happening at FC Cincinnati right now. And I think that Dallas coming off this five-goal scoreline is definitely going to have a flood of form, a tsunami of form for themselves to ride. And uh, Andrasik was involved in a lot of that last week. And I think that's going to be uh, great momentum for him if he does get the starting spot. And then right now, and this one, I'll be honest with you, is the most the most tentative spot as a, as a forward option that I have right now. A lot of it's based on his production over the past three or four rounds. Um, but I have Shabilko in my lineup. Philadelphia has been doing very well. I'm not sure what Atlanta will look like with uh, the Open Cup game. I'm assuming they're going to go all in for that uh, to, to see if they can get that win. So there could be some rest. Uh, Atlanta, though, is fighting for a spot to get a home game. So... Uh, that that against against Philadelphia, so this is a a huge game for them, nonetheless. So um, that could be a reason going for Shabilko as well. But that is probably uh, the one I am I am not as confident on. Not sure who I pivot to really at this point. But uh, Shabilko is my third forward right now. All right, let's go down to uh, captains. Who do you have, Lane? I have no idea at this point. Um, the ACV reference was there, but that's definitely out the window now. Um, my fallback was going to be tighter on the double game week, but that one may be out the window now with potential injury. <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of captaining double game week players whenever you get a chance. Um, I, 
I think it was uh, Christian or Charles, one of them again, said uh, Lossie's home form has been insane, like a 13 and a 14 in his last two home games. So with them playing a double home game, even if you take a 1.5 of that, you're still looking at 20-something points and doubling that. So Lossie could go up there if I'm looking at a double game week player that I'm pretty sure it's going to get two games. Otherwise, it's probably heel for New England. Mike? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same uh, realm as Blaine. Blaine kind of struggle if, if, if tighter really is out. Because um, it would be definitely tighter... Uh, um, if he um, if, if he does play, uh, but if he doesn't right now, my my gut instinct is to throw out on Max. Uh, I know he won't burn me too. Um, I don't kind of trust as, as much as the upside as a lot of these players have. I don't really trust him with the armband. But maybe I'll just do something weird because I'm way behind anyway, and just want to have like a great week one week. <laughs> So I agree some with you, Blaine. Uh, with with tight air being questionable, my my armband easily goes to Carlos Hill as as the player who I like for that. I'm gonna say right now in the podcast what I responded to in chat about uh, Lassie Lapanainen and Bohan with with starting. Uh, it is true that Lassie got a 14 in round 21 when he was home against against Philadelphia, and he got a 15 in round 24 when he was home against FC Dallas. Uh, when he's been away, he's gotten nothing better than two points. So he's also only played 90 minutes once when he's been away. So he's been in the league for five games at this point. Bohan, on the other hand, has only been available for three weeks so far. So he's only overlapped with, with Lassie for one home game, and that was the FC Dallas game in round 24. He played 61 minutes in that game. I don't have the lineup available to me right now. And then at that away game to, to Toronto, which happened last week, uh, Bohan got the goal. So I think that 14-point game is, is an outlier sum for Lassie, especially since uh, he only has one other double-digit game there uh, and that Bohan was not getting those full 90s. So if Bohan goes full 90 against uh, Vancouver and D.C. this week, I still like him over Lassie Lapalainen, mostly because he is playing in that advanced forward position and I think he'll be a target. So uh, both are good players. Both are good options. I like them both this week, but I just want to uh, throw that out there to show some of the overlap of these two players. Uh, and then I said, I said Carlos, Carlos Heel, right, for my captain. I did that. Okay. Yeah, you did. Good. All right. Well, that's all that we have for the show tonight. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening and for joining us in chat. Uh, as always, we'll hang around for a little bit after the recording is finished to talk to people in chat. So if you are listening to us, that's another little perk you get if you do join us. Uh, and let's finish up with plugs. Blaine. Um, nothing for me. Mike. Um, two things. First of all, New York is blue. Second of all, congrats <laughs> to uh, River Ridge for winning the Little League World Series tournament. Um, I actually like live in River Ridge, so that's oh, like a sweet. team that's like a few blocks away uh, that just won the title. So it's really cool. Real big party down here, um, which I mean, everything's a big party down here. But and now we have another excuse to do it in the uh, end of August. So congrats to those kids. In fact, like my wife teaches like one or two of the kids. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty exciting uh, down here. Uh, for, uh, all the signs are going up. Everyone's having a good time. 
All right. Uh, for myself, uh, tune in to uh, ML- tune in. Check out MLSFancyBoss.com for the other articles that we have posting up there, like the Behind the Numbers article by Kyle that I mentioned at the top of the show. And then uh, please head over, and if you would, subscribe to my MLS Fantasy newsletter over at MLSSoccer.com. And let me know if you have any suggestions for, for topics that you want to hear each week, uh, because I do want to get content that is catered towards what you all want to hear. So if you want something a bit more involved, uh, in depth, I should say, than what you hear in the podcast sometimes, let me know. Happy to uh, answer those questions and, and get a little bit more more info for you there. Also, be sure to head over to the Discord chat over for MLSFantasyBoss.com. Had some questions about how to get to it. The easiest way is to just go to MLSFantasyBoss.com and in the sidebar as you scroll down, there's an embedded live chat and you can link to the Discord right there. Uh, or you can send a message to me on Twitter or OlderGoler on Twitter and we can get you hooked up with uh, the chat client right there for Discord. And then don't forget to head over to r slash MLS, the subreddit community. Uh, we have Rate My Team articles there. We have weekly rant threads where you can share in the pain and suffering of red cards and poor picks and last minute changes that don't pan out along with your fellow managers. So check that out. It's a fantastic community. Thank you so much for tuning in to us. We want to do more of this content, Reed, so let us gotta, know. Yeah. I got to interrupt you here. Um, older Goler just posted on Discord. Uh, Vela sustained minor injury to hamstring the MRI. I'm trying to read it really quick. I wanted to get this in the show if we could. Breaking news. It's unclear if he'll play this. Um, I mean, as long as he's got any injury to the hamstring, I assume that he does not play. Sounds good. Well, you heard it here. You heard it here first. If it's tonight and you're in live chat, if you're listening to us on the podcast, heard it third, fourth, or fifth, I guess. I don't know. But there is breaking news from Blaine and older goaler, Bella Hamster injury. So thank you so much for listening tonight, guys, and good luck.